Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. Today on Core Principles, I am honored to welcome an educator, an athlete, a naval special warfare operator, motivational speaker, and the author of No Excuses, The Special Warfare of Success, Mr. Chad Lambie. How are you doing, Chad? I'm doing great. It is awesome to be here. Thank you so much, Clay. Um, just excited. Well, thank you. Uh, your accomplishments, I just mentioned a few, are obviously impressive since most of us have never done most of those challenging things. But to do these things, Chad, you had to overcome a particular challenge that only about one in a million people face. It's called cladocranial dysplasia, CCD. Uh, could you explain to listeners what that is and how it affects you? Yeah, absolutely. And there's been some light being brought to it by the actor that's up and coming. Uh, his name is Gaten Matarazzo from Stranger Things, and some of your listeners have ever heard of him. Uh, his, his acting name is Dustin. But yeah, what it is is there's a gene that's turned off, the RUNX gene. And what it does, it affects the growth of a lot of the bones. So my sagittal suture in my skull never grew together, so I've got two open soft spots to my brain, one on the top of my head and one in the back of my head. I've had 45 teeth pulled out of my head because of supernumerary and extra teeth that have grown. I don't have any collarbones, so I've got a full range of motion within my shoulders. My hips are internally rotated, so I've got my femurs, they rotate inwardly and uh, creates kind of a, a duck walk effect or a, a knock knee effect if I do not open my range of motion. And that's just a few to give you a taste of the full skeletal issues that I deal with. Now that sounds to layperson like myself, potentially excruciating. Is it associated with a lot of pain or is it mostly just the inconvenience of the range of motion in these things? You know, children generally have looser ligaments when they're, when they're younger. And so it didn't really affect me until I started getting to be about, uh, 10, 12 years old, I had a lot of knee and hip issues. And then my dad got me onto a strength training regiment because he knew what I was born with. So I was doing a lot of push-ups, a lot of sit-ups, a lot of running, a lot of riding my bike. And so it was through the foundation of the strength training that I had that alleviated much of the pain that many of the people with my syndrome has, they go through daily. So yeah, I, I was uh, fortunate to have a father that got ahead of the curve and he pushed me hard to make sure that I had a strong foundation so that I didn't have shoulder, back, neck, knee, hip issues. Did it generally get easier or more difficult as you grew out of childhood to adulthood? Oh, more difficult, more difficult. So I constantly had to stay on top of my exercise regimen, otherwise I would be you know, going backwards, CCD, cladoprandial dysplasia is a bully in a sense, and it's going to continue to tear down your body. If I don't stay on top of it, it's going to internally rotate my shoulders to where my, my neck and my back are going to have pain. My knees are going to continue to come in, so I'm going to wear out my medial collateral ligament. Uh, my feet, 
they are flat, so they're going to continue to have a lot of pain on the bottom. Um, but if I stay strong, if I stay committed to a certain lifestyle, then I can have the fullest life that I so choose to have. So uh, let's go back to school days uh, before you graduated high school. Um, what were some of the biggest obstacles you faced then? I know you were very active, um, mm -hmm. but given the CCD, uh, what kind of obstacles practically did that put in your way during that time? Yeah, I have to start off by saying if I didn't have a strong home, my, my family life, if I didn't have good parents that took care of me, I'm not really sure what would have happened to me. But as soon as I got to school, I wanted to show kids what I could do because I thought it was kind of neat. And once you show kids uh, something that's different or weird, they begin to throw labels at you. And that's exactly what happened. So I, I put my shoulders together, touched them in front of my body. And some kids were like, oh, that's gross. That's weird. Some kids thought it was pretty neat, but it was those labels that were beginning to hit me. And the bullying that I began to experience really affected me. And I, I pulled back from my peers and the kids around me. And I wanted to be the quiet kid and I didn't want to be noticed. But if it wasn't for my dad pouring his heart and soul into me for athletics, I probably would have continued down depression, continued down just being quiet and left behind. But I was able to get into baseball specifically, and I excelled at it. It was just something that I really just enjoyed and um, had the privilege of being on a couple of all-star teams, which promoted me to go to high school. And then, but it, what was weird was every time I got to a new team, a new level, I was always right field batting nine because I was so small, so different looking that they didn't really know what my skill level was. And it wasn't until I was leading the league in batting that I finally was given an opportunity to move up. So, if it, yeah, um, baseball was, was a tremendous door, open door for me. That's good. Now, I understand from reading your book, No Excuses, that you had a dream of going into the majors. Um, when that didn't come to fruition, how did you respond? What, what was next for you? Yeah, so let me, let me develop baseball a little bit more then. So I got to play on an undefeated team my high school year, which opened the door to go to college. I played in the NCAA Division II for five years at a, at a very high level. I, I was the USCAA Player of the Week twice, which is the division we played in. I was an All-American nominee my senior year, and I batted 445 my senior year, which afforded me different opportunities. And I ended up going to Chicago on my second tryout for uh, five days. And I really felt like I was going to make it into this minor league team. And the coach came up to me and said, you know what? We don't need you. Here's your, you know, thanks for coming out. Hit the road. And that really fired me out of control because I thought that baseball was my life. That was my identity. That's who I was. And I, and I had it just taken away from me by someone else. And uh, I didn't know what to do with myself. And I began to drink, party, do crazy things, things maybe I'm not proud of with my own life. And I had no direction for about five years. And after that five-year period, my brother calls me up out of the blue. And he says, Chad, what are you doing with your life? 
And I'm at that time, I'm actually living in a garage by a worm factory and thinking, what, what am I doing? Where, where am I going? Because here I was at a high level of my life. And now I'm, I'm all of a sudden at a low. And so with my brother's challenge, he said, Chad, you ought to think about going into the United States military. And I chewed on that idea and thought about that idea and was like, man, I don't know really how I'm going to be able to do that. But, you know, if you think that's a good idea, I'll look into it. There's a couple of things I want to tell your listeners. One, I had a positive mentor. We got to have positive mentors that we look up to in our life. My father, he told me, you're going to need to do this, this, and this to succeed in life. And he poured his passion into me. It just so happened that our passions coincided where, we, where I excelled. So if we surround ourselves with positive, like-minded people, we're going to excel rather than the Eeyores in life. Secondarily, I call it a swim buddy because of some of my military experience, but my brother saw the full potential in me. He said, Chad, you need to get off the bench. You need to start uh, participating in life because you're, you're leaving so much left behind. You need to come up. You need to be part of something that's amazing again. So surrounding ourselves with swim buddies that will call us out for our full potential. Yeah, I like the uh, word pictures that you give in your book, Chad. You, you talk about swim buddies. You talk about the word picture of welding people together. That's really strong. But, you know, when you were joking around with your brother, he says, hey, why don't you go to the recruiter? And you're thinking maybe I should get into harvesting worms. Uh, <laughs> you know that people need to read your book. It's really funny, that yeah. section of the book. but nobody with CCD had ever gone through Naval Special Warfare School. So why, Chad, did you say, not only am I going to accept the offer from feeling the love at the recruiter's office, which we'll talk about a little later maybe, but but I'm going to go be a Special Warfare operator. Why would you do that? Well, well there's a couple of things. One, I'm not going to lie, I was in a financial bind, and at that time, the military had some high bonuses, and I was like, whoa, that's going to help me out right now. But secondarily, I have never just gone at life halfway, and that's why I was in such a lull for five years, because I didn't have anything that I knew about that could drive me. Like, I needed to, I needed to chase a carrot. I needed to push myself to a limit, and... When I finally thought this might be an option, let's go for the home run. Let's not just take a soft, easy bunt. Let's go for it all the way. And even if I don't succeed, at least I put myself in the playing field with some of the elite athletes that the United States military has to offer. So that was absolutely uh, why I chose to go for the special forces option rather than just joining the military. Well, I, I salute you, sir, because, uh, that that's a daunting challenge for anybody and uh and you did it uh so hoorah but there's there's a there's a good story that leads up to that so um if if your listeners want to hear it, uh, i want them to hear it i want to hear it myself <laughs> <laughs> once i choose to go into the united states military i quit my job i go and live with my parents for six months and i begin to exercise change my diet begin to learn about the military, what exactly am I going to get into, which is a good lesson for life, that if you just show up, you're probably not going to make it. You have to take a preparation period. You have to begin to learn, exercise your mind, exercise your body about what you're about to get into, one. Two, 
uh, I go, I'm in really good shape. I go to MEPS and they, MEPS is a basic medical evaluation to make sure that you're alive. And the, they didn't really look me over that closely because I'm already in a pretty good physique because I've got a good foundation of exercise that I've already established in my life. And the, the exit question was, is there anything the United States military is going to offer you that you can't do physically? And my answer to that was no. You know, if you begin to feel, feed people too much information, you can potentially take opportunities away from you. If you know you can succeed in an area, there's no need to bring up what is not important. So it's not important to share everything about yourself right away. Well, lo and behold, I did not know that my next step was go, to go to Chicago and get a dive physical, which is where you have to go through a much more in-depth uh, x-ray and evaluation of your body. Well, I go through the x-ray process during the dive physical, and I'm sitting, I'm standing, because they're not, they're not allowed to sit in boot camp. You're standing in the lobby, and a, a lieutenant comes out of the back and says, who's Chad Lambie? And I raise my hand. He's like, you need to stand over there in the corner. Okay, light bulb's going off. This is weird. This is not right. And then uh, he goes over to my RDC, which is the drill instructor, and he says, everybody else needs to leave. I got to talk with him alone. I was like, okay, this is getting really bad because you can't go anywhere without a swim buddy when you're going through boot camp. I get pulled back to the back office, and he says, your contract here says you wanted to go to the special forces. Well, I'm telling you right now, that ain't going to happen. But that's not my opinion. That's not my job. So I got to go get the commander. So the commander comes into the room with my medical record under his hand. He said, and he looks at me. He's kind of like being quiet, coy, looking around. He said, why do you want to be in the special forces? I said, well, sir, I've been training for a long time. I've been working out, been putting forth a lot of effort. I think I can be an asset, a real good asset for the Navy in this realm. What is this all about? And he looks at me like dumbfounded. He's like, are you unaware that you don't have collarbones? I was like, uh, no, sir, I am aware I have collarbones. I, I don't have collarbones. Yes, sir, I'm, I'm aware I don't have collarbones. And then he says, are you aware that the United States military does not allow you to be joining the military missing a structural bone like arm, leg, collarbone? I was like, no, sir, I, I was not aware that this was a requirement. And he begins to go down a conversation of, you know, you could probably be in the food services because you're already in the military. And, I, and I, I stopped him. I said, sir, will you please look at my physical readiness numbers? And he flips it back to the back of the chart and he begins to look at it. And his eyes get big. He says, whoa, you've got outstanding numbers here. You've got elevated numbers here. And he goes over to another chart that had the rest of my boot camp class on it. And he begins to do a little bit of math. He said, you're in the top four percentile of all SEAL SWIC, EOD diver, and rescue swimmers that are trying out for the Navy right now. And that, that caused him to pause and think. He said, you know what? I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to sign a waiver to allow you to try out for your dream in the United States Special Forces. And that was really what opened my door, which proves, proves my point. If you don't put in the time, you don't put in the effort ahead of time, your opportunity is going to be taken away from you before you even start. The fact is, I took his opportunity away from him because I was overprepared. I was I proved that the human body does not need to have collarbones to 
be able to do massive amounts of push-ups. I was doing 132 push-ups in two minutes. I mean, that's more than two a second throughout the whole thing. So, I mean, to, to prove that I can, I could slam out some serious exercise, I had to put up the numbers. That'll max the PT test for certain. Well, <laughs> so, and before that, uh, when you were working next to the worm farm, you'd been lifting those, uh, whatever, uh, <laughs> drilling rig bits, uh, that, uh, that you were doing. So, yeah, well, in your book, no excuses, you'll use a lot of word pictures. And by the way, I also really love the nuggets that you sprinkle through there. And I appreciate that you put them all together at the back. So, uh, that's a good reference, but, um, you inspire young people. You're a motivational speaker now too. So one of the word pictures that you use, Chad, that I like is how that we are refined through adversity. And I know that even after he, the, the commander says, I'm going to give you your shot. That doesn't mean walk through this like a cakewalk. It's going to be a tremendous challenge. Uh, that's, I mean, everybody who goes through it, their intention is we're going to make you think you're going to fail and we're going to see how you respond. Right? Well, so you're talking about going through adversity and you say it's like going through fire and being refined. And I love that word picture because precious metal gold is literally refined that way. It's melted. It's put through tremendous stress, but that's when the impurities come up, separate and can be removed. And it's more pure gold, which we would like to be in our lives better than we are today. Um, and so how do you convince the young people that you motivate and mentor and speak with that they should welcome those challenges and pursue those challenges? It's counterintuitive for young people, obviously. Yeah, I just pour my heart and soul into them. See, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm kind of fortunate. What I looked at in my life was uh, terrible. I, I, got, I was born as something that's embarrassing my whole life until i started influencing young people i realized that this is a huge powerful um, opportunity for me because i can just share my story and the kids buy in they're, they're all in because they see wow chad lambie has all of these issues and yet he did not quit so how do i tell them i give them my formula just like you referred to as the fire is reformed, the metal doesn't have a choice. I, as a, as a person working with the gold, as you, as you referred to, I can put the, the gold into the fire. The gold doesn't have a choice. It, it has to go through the process. And, it, and, it get, and over a period of time, I can take it back out. I mentally have to make that exact same decision of taking quitting off of the table. Now I become that goal and I'm going through that fire. Why? Because I already know that the pain is going to come to an end. I've experienced pain so many different times in my life and I welcome pain. Actually weird enough. I know that I'm going to grow. I'm going to be better on the opposite side rather than just being comfortable. So one of my kids is like, well, how do you keep uh, in that? Well, right now I'm waking up at four 30 every morning and I exercise every morning. I keep that fire alive because I do something that most people cannot do. The only way I'm going to ever do that is if I take quitting off the table and I recognize that there is going to be something better for me, greater for me. My potential is going to be more valuable by pushing this human body through that adversity. And it's, it's so proven. 
it's so proven. There's there's so many things I could refer to, even in my my military experience, that I did better than anyone else at the command, and I shouldn't have been. I mean, with my hip dysplasia that I have, I'm outperforming people with flutter kicks. I'm outperforming people with running. I'm outperforming people with push-ups. But that's only because I have a desire to push myself to the absolute limit and then a little bit further. And the only way you can do that is by saying, I'm going to take quitting off the table because I want to achieve something greater than myself. That's really powerful. And I think in that also is one of the ways that we can fulfill God's purpose in our life, which is ultimately to glorify him. So that's really, really strong. Well, I'm going to ask you to repeat three key words from your book, No Excuses, and ask you to bring meaning to these words for the listeners, because you repeat them. They're almost like a mantra in the book. Stop, breathe, decide. Absolutely. Stop, breathe, and decide. So actually, this is something that I learned at a very young age and was amplified in the military. But my dad would take us out on adventures all of the time. And one thing that we would do a lot was rock climbing. And I was rock climbing one time and I was pretty good at it. I was pretty agile, but I got in this position. I was, I was panicking and my dad said, stop. And so I stopped and he said, now just breathe, relaxing me. He's like, now look around and then make a good decision. And whenever I felt like I was getting in a panic situation, I would that my dad's loud booming voice would come at me and say, stop, Chad. Now just breathe and now make the decision. If we go through life and we just plow through everything that we're coming up against, we're going to go blow past opportunities, one. And number two, we could potentially hurt ourselves and the people around us by making too quick of a decision. So with that, with those three easy things that is like a mantra of life is just to stop, breathe, meaning look around and then make a solid decision. You're going to make your life more sound, people around you safer, and you're going to be able to get the most opportunity out of the scenario that you're in. And that's powerful too, because it also ties in with scriptural message. God told us, be still. It's really good. Well, Chad, you and I are both military veterans. And in your book, you talk about feeling the love when you went to the Navy recruiter. And of course you were being humorous, but recruiting is obviously, I mean, they, they love you if you want to come join them, right? Because they need you, but recruiting is vital to the strength of our all volunteer military. So I'll just uh, share for the listeners and bring you alongside here of some of these stats that are alarming to me and then we can discuss briefly. Uh, so fewer than a fourth of military age Americans can qualify, even though the former standards have been lowered, as you know. Only about 11%, Chad, have any interest in serving in the military. So couple that with the fact that fewer than one out of four can qualify. And now you add this thing that shocked me the most, a Reagan Institute survey has been asking people about their confidence in our military for years. And in 2018, the response was 87% said we have great confidence in the military. That's good. That's what we want. 
But do you know that now, well, in 2021, since Biden put Mark Milley in charge uh, of, as the command of the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, that response, do you have confidence in our military, has dropped all the way down to 53%. And I bet if they asked it today, seven or eight months later, it would be below 50%. That is unsustainable as far as recruiting. And so just this past week, there are story after story about how even though the military's in strength has been reduced, the services cannot meet their recruiting goals. And I went to the Air Force Academy. I just was sent an email yesterday that said they're not getting as many people to apply as they need to admit. When I went in, there were like 35,000 who expressed interest in going, filled out the initial questionnaire, and they took 1,500 of us. Now they can't get as many to apply as they need. So, Chad Lambie, what do you make of this? What do we do about this? What's the solution to these kind of issues? Well, this is something that I'm also investing my heart and soul into. I have what's called uh, the No Excuses Project, where I have linked with a couple of Green Beret buddies of mine, and we are putting young men through a pipeline of three days uh, that is uh, special forces based and Christian based so that they can learn leadership, what they stand for and who they are as a man. Men like you probably have heard of uh, Jordan Peterson who's all over social media. And I've, I've listened to a couple of his talks and he really hammers down on this thought of men are being trained to be soft, not warriors. The example of being a warrior in a garden and not a gardener in a wartime scenario. And we as a society are raising and creating softer generation. I'm not just going to say men, but yes, a softer generation. And we are reliant on everybody else to take care of us because we're not getting out and working hard and pushing ourselves. My solution to this is to get behind your kids and have them be pushed, push them to know their true value because there's so much more value than we give each other. And when they begin to experience success at high levels, they become this warrior. They become this confident person. I would say from zero to 18, create the best warriors you can because then we can begin to train good leadership as, as that comes. If they don't know how to become a warrior right away, now you've got to teach them how to be strong again when they're older and teach them how to be a leader. So get them out, get them experiencing things that might be, quote unquote, impossible to them so that they can have a level of success and encourage them. Don't tear them down. The more we tear down each other, the worse we're going to be. See, we each have the potential of harming people. Okay, here's another one for you. Our tongue is the rudder of our life. We can either say words that will dash our, our boat up against a rock, or we can row together with the words we speak in uh, unity to get our, belt, our boat propelled in the water. So we got to each use our oar properly and not hurt each other, but to lift each other up with positive words. That is powerful, and that also is scriptural, by the way. Uh, Paul warned us about the power of the tongue. Um, well, 
uh, you mentioned that word warrior over and over, and I want to make sure that listeners who maybe never served in the military are keen on this true fact. No one desires peace more than the warrior. Promise. That's correct. 100%. I don't want to. Okay. Yeah. I, sh- I should have, I should have also said that in the special forces, we're not trained to just go kick the face in the, the kicking in the face in is the last option we want. And, and in fact, uh, our instructors encourage us if we are out in town and you begin to see something, get away from the issue. If, if it's not going to escalate, if they're coming at you, get away from the issue as soon as possible. Don't try to fight the issue. Try to de-escalate the issue first and foremost every single time. If that means removing you from the scenario, remove yourself from the, from the scenario. If your pride is so big that you have to stomp the face in on everybody because you think that that's what the warrior is, that's incorrect. The best mindset of the warrior, you know that you can eliminate the issue, but you still create peace and you maintain and I think people haven't experienced the knowledge that they know that they're successful. Once you have achieved success at a certain level, you can stand up and be a leader much easier. But unfortunately, a lot of people have not experienced that success and they don't understand what the warrior is. Yes. And that success doesn't just happen. People put in the work to make it happen. So that's a great message. Well, you're doing all these things and you got the no excuses projects. You've got the, the book you're inspiring people with your motivational speeches. What is on the horizon for Chad Lampy? Well, honestly, I just got back from a conference with my, uh, cleidocranial dysplasia and I am so excited with what John Hopkins is doing for our, uh, syndrome. They're, they're doing a ton of research and I'm looking forward to being able to, continue to travel all over and inspire people with my syndrome, but also people with other disabilities or want to continue to improve their own lives and uh, speak and spread the word about just overcoming different adversities. And you mentioned that I'm also invested in my nonprofit of uh, No Excuses Project. I'm going to be doing that, not just East Coast, potentially West Coast as well, and um, just continuing to invest my life into making what, as you call Christian warriors throughout this world, throughout this nation. So that's what's on my horizon. Well, thank you for your good works, Chad Lambie, and for the inspiration that you provide to people. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me. I was honored to get to talk with you. And uh, thanks to our mutual friend, Isabel, who introduced us and sent me your book. And uh, so God bless you. Thank you so much, Clay. It's an honor to be here, and I just hope that we can each link arms with each other and continue to make warriors for the next generation rather than passive, weaker generations. Amen and hoorah. Core Principles Podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July. L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information and please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.